0: Hey there, thank you so much for listening to our Big Time Talker podcast. We're on the Blog Talk Radio Network, Apple iTunes, iHeartMedia, and worldwide thanks to our friends at SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. Tom Antion is our guest today, and we're going to talk about uh, the art of conversation, the fear of public speaking, and what people who talk for a living and are in the business of bringing people together are able to do now that... Bringing people together is not something that is looked upon kindly. Tom Antion, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Burke, nice to talk to you. Hey, we've got some common ground. I don't know if you know, but I uh, I played starting guard at uh, West Virginia University back, uh, oh, back before they had face masks, you know, the leather helmet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you are a fellow Mountaineer. We love that. Yeah. And and so when you transitioned out of uh getting beat up on the in uh, the athletic process you became a guy that that does something completely different. You are in fact uh a big time talker, much like the name of this podcast. This is what you do for a living and you do it very successfully. And then COVID-19 comes and you got to change up everything, I guess at that point.
1: I didn't have to change up everything. And I've been kind of preaching this for a long time. Um, Did you ever hear of Dottie Walters?
0: Tell me about Dottie Walters.
1: Dottie Walters was kind of the grandmother of professional speaking. She's passed away now, but she wrote the book, Speak and Grow Rich. And she got me started in 1991 speaking. And I remember vividly uh, being in her office and she said, Tom, you must become a product machine, a product machine. And I said, well, "What does that mean?" So she was uh, explaining to me how um, you know speaking is only one revenue stream that speakers should have. In fact, I have a a, a ebook I wrote called "How to uh, You Know Sell Your Knowledge in Nineteen Different Ways." And so all along, like I probably have over four hundred informational products and online courses and things like that. So. Even though I was doing great at speaking, I I kind of remember in, in, when nine eleven hit, a lot of big-name speakers went bankrupt because that's right. all they could do was talk. So uh, so uh, I think uh, diversification would help a lot, a lot of speakers nowadays.
0: You are a guy that, that knows that business inside and out, but for people that look at it from the outside, uh, there are a lot of misconceptions about speaking, and, and let's kind of uh, roll it all the way back to the beginning for you. How did you get interested in doing it? And how did you figure out you, you had a knack for it? How would you get good at it? Well,
1: I I, you know, I have never had a job. Uh, so, you know, my podcast is called Screw the Commute. And when you look at my resume, it kind of seems like BS. How could one person do all this stuff? But, you know, when you're not up stuck in traffic, especially where you live, <laughs> yeah, <no laughs> okay. uh, you can live two or three lives. So uh, I had gotten out of the nightclub business where I was in – gun fights and knife fights and bikers trying to kill me. And, and when I got out of that alive, I said, you know what, I'm going to do something that's fun for me and fun for everybody else. And I started a practical joke company, It kind of like candid camera, but it was live. In fact, it was up around DC. We did 4,000 custom designed, uh, practical jokes. I was writing custom humor all the time and it was on radio and TV all over the world. Uh, because of the crazy stuff that we were doing and uh but i was always thinking there's something bigger for me and it was a bizarre situation i'm in crown books in uh, greenbelt maryland i don't know if it's still there anymore and uh a lady's going going by in the aisle in the middle of the day and i i got out of the way to let her go by and i hit my head on this book called speak and grow rich no talk about getting your Two by four to the head, exactly how it happened. Wow. It's even more bizarre than that, because the lady that wrote it was a, uh, pushing a baby stroller through town when she got her start, and this lady was pushing a baby stroller to get me out of the way. <laughs> <So it's laughs> very, very bizarre. But uh, uh, So that was my thing that was bigger than the practical joke business. I could make way more money. I mean, my first speech in 90... Uh, what was a 91 was 1250 bucks. And when I quit corporate speaking, it was 20,000. And, you know, I don't even want corporate speaking anymore because I do back of the room sales at public events. But you know, again, like you said, that's kind of, uh, by the wayside, but since I had all these products, information products, especially the digital products are 97% profit. So I just stayed home and made more information. products. <laughs> so, It didn't uh, hurt me, but that's what the message I want to get across to people is they need to really get information products in their fold, and then they won't be so desperate for speaking engagements. And the products help you get the speaking engagements because the depth of knowledge that you're showing in a product is way bigger than a demo tape that the meeting planners know. You know, they took the best thing you ever said in like 200 years and put it on the tape. <laughs> so, so, uh, so that's uh, one of my messages: is get get uh, the knowledge out of your head in a saleable format.
0: Fair enough. Tom Antion is our guest, and uh, you know, I introduced you as a, a great public speaker, but clearly, you do a lot more than that with internet marketing, and you've got an internet marketing training uh, center there in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and. Uh, your own podcast, uh, Screw the Commute, and you got a whole lot of plates that, that you spin. Um, but in terms of speaking, it's always been said that that fear of public speaking is, is like the, the number one fear. It it beats out hairy spiders and slithery snakes. Is it possible to, to overcome that? Have you taught people who are scared to death to get up in front of people to speak to do it? Or if you have that bad a fear of speaking, Should you just move on? There's nothing to see here.
1: No, no. Uh, First of all, you rarely overcome it. I mean, Johnny Carson had a massive stage front uh, uh, fright. Uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier had massive. So you learn to control it. And what's interesting, I did some some surveys back in the the early 90s uh, of professional speakers and and uh, people that did have stage fright, there's some very interesting things that came up. Uh, one of the things that creates stage fright uh, you just never think of it in a million years. If you had invasive surgery as a child, that creates stage fright. How I'm sorry, I have what, no what, idea. That
0: makes no sense to me.
1: It makes no sense at all to me either. But that's uh, very uh, you know it's been been proven that that contributed to stage fright. More than that, though. Especially if you're a parent nowadays, if you were grew up in a family where the kids were supposed to just shut up and you know and and eat your meal and you know keep your mouth shut, right from your formative ages, you were taught what you say doesn't mean anything. You know, you shouldn't say anything because it's not valuable. So the kids that were in uh, in homes where the parents encouraged them to speak to adults and and push that. Those people have no trouble with stage fright. So, uh, but if you if you happen to have it, yes, the more uh, you you know, and you know with with the way I teach this, I, and I, I make the a kind of big claim that I've trained more professional speakers than anybody living, and I don't have any trouble saying that because I've been asked to speak at the the National Speakers Association over a hundred times in seven countries, and I've had the longest running, best selling uh, course on professional speaking ever. But the, the people that have it, uh, many times uh, it, it starts to fade as they get more competent and know what to do. Because if you go up there and something happens and you don't know what to do, that scares the heck out of you. But sure. if you've been practiced on it and you learn the techniques, if this happens, do this. If this happens, do this. And the more you practice it, the better you get. And you still may not overcome it, but you learn to control it.
0: I would think Tom that that uh, a little bit of fear is a good thing, right? That means that you care, that you're mentally engaged in the process.
1: It gets you fired up, it flushes your face, you look younger, you look more alive, you look uh, more present with the people. So yeah, a, a little bit um, I don't happen to have that. I've been, I've been over to I've been able to overcome that problem. <laughs> I don't have any fear. Of it. <laughs> but 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 uh yeah, that's it uh, keeps you. You know, it keeps you paying attention because you don't want somebody just mailing it in when they're on stage. And nowadays, the transition to you can make money doing this on Zoom. But uh, you know, I got to tell you, people will, you know, spend thousands of dollars on a nice new suit and everything's controlled, and they're a great speaker, and then they get into Zoom. And, you know, they don't put any effort into it, and they look like crap, they sound like crap, and so uh, that's that's a big transition. And you can sell those Zoom and webinars to corporations now who still need the training, but they're not doing it in person. So, so uh, but, but you don't want to look like a schmuck when you get up there, so there's a lot of little tips we can get into later if you want to on how to really improve that.
0: Well, you know, actually, I think that's really relevant to a lot of people who are listening to the podcast right now because we all had to jump feet first into the world of Zoom, Um, and these video conferences are an everyday part of everyone's life now, and yet people are coming into it at different times. So I still, uh, you know, on a regular basis, am on a Zoom call with someone who has the phone, you know, pointed straight up their left nostril, and I get to see everything that's (laughs) happening up there. Um, you know, there was the the great video just a couple of weeks ago of, of the attorney. An attorney, an intelligent practice guy oh, with a cat, cat video, yeah. <laughs> and he couldn't figure out how to turn it off. So uh, top three tips. What do you tell people on how to do Zooms correctly?
1: Okay, well, first of all, I don't mind, t- you know, smacking people in the face because there's a, uh, an older guy that said something. Maybe you know him that said something a long time ago. He says, you have to tell a man he's no damn good for him to get any damn good.
0: You I ever do know that? that guy. Yes. I know him very well.
1: <laughs> and so that's what we're doing here because it's, it's uh it's tough love, but you know, you're, you don't really realize what you're looking like on the other end. So, uh, first of all, is get rid of the stupid backgrounds. Don't get electronic backgrounds. You're just asking to look stupid because, uh, you know, if, as soon as you move a little bit, depending on the color of your hair, the color of your tie, something's going to show through and it just looks stupid.
0: Preach so Tom that. Preach that point. Preach it often. Preach it loudly from the mountaintops.
1: Exactly. Just get a nice background. In fact, I just interviewed on my podcast, a top audio engineer that's done all the major bands over the years. And, and he said, you know, what's a great thing behind you is a bookcase. And he said, not because of the aesthetics of it. It's because the sound reflects backwards behind you and then back into your microphone and makes the sound terrible. So not only does it look nice to have a, a bookcase behind you, it makes your sound better. So there's two two birds with uh, one stone kind of thing. Perfect. Then um, you don't have to worry about the electronic stuff. Now, that being said, don't have any kind of light coming in through windows or anything behind you. That's backlighting and that's makes your face go dark when the camera lens shuts down. So don't do that. Now, the the, the next one and I have more of these, but but one of the biggest of all is you got to teach yourself to look into the darn Webcam. Yes. (laughs) Okay. I hear you. Everybody, and it's natural to want to look at the person you're talking to, but that comes across on the other end that you're kind of beady-eyed, shady. You're not even looking at people. So you got to force yourself to look into the webcam.
0: I tell people sometimes to put a Post-it beside their webcam, wherever it is, you know, with a big arrow drawn in a Sharpie, so they remember to look. Because that is really hard for people to remember where to look on a Zoom call.
1: Yeah. Now, sometimes I, if it's just a couple people, I will move the window. I'm going to try to tell the Zoom people to let you put the the picture of the person on the screen clear at the top of the screen, and then I move it right under the webcam, and then I'm I'm almost forced to look that direction, and then I only have to move my eyes an inch you know, a little tiny bit to look into the webcam instead of their face.
0: Yeah, I think that's really smart. I'll tell you one other thing I tell people uh, in terms of looking at the camera is if you're on a laptop or a computer where you can sort of raise it up a little bit so that you're eye-level with the thing, maybe put a yep. couple of books under it or a box under your laptop or whatever, It, it, it then you're not looking down on people like an evil galactic overlord. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you want to look eye-level to them.
1: That's exactly right, and I see so much uh, the Where's Waldo look. Where <laughs> they're, they're, they're head it is just barely above the screen and cuts them off at the neck. <laughs> yes. And then you got to get a good, you know, make sure, you know, upgrade your internet connection. And, you know, I did that. Um, uh, I got a, like a gigabit, the fastest Fios thing they got, but I still can't get the speeds now since the pandemic, because everybody on earth is on the internet all day long. So, right. so you want to upgrade as fast as you can get and, uh, you know, get a good microphone if you can. And, uh, and to hardwire yourself in, don't count on your Wi-Fi. You just get a Cat5 cable, plug the darn thing in.
0: Yeah, you know, I talked to a lady just yesterday, uh, and she knew what I did for a living and knew that I helped people get on TV, on CNN, and Fox News, and all that. And she said, you know, since this whole pandemic thing and everybody's zooming in to do these interviews, I don't understand why there's so many connection issues. And the real reason why there's so many connection issues, A, as you said, everyone in the world is on the Internet all the time. But B, most folks are still trying to do the Wi-Fi deal. You really got to plug into your computer if you're doing anything that's important that you don't want to go away.
1: No, no, you know, he's, I think it is, Burke. They're using windmill power to try to power <laughs> their computer. <laughs> Much like the state
0: of Texas right now. We see how that's yeah. working out. Tom Antion is our guest today. We're having some fun talking about uh, speaking and the lack of speaking at least one-on-one or in person with people during COVID and, and how to get past it. Um, so Tom, you and I have established now that we have West Virginia in common. You were a proud member of the West Virginia University Mountaineers, uh, and uh, you reference one of my longtime clients and pals, Homer Hickam, who's a New York Times number one best-selling author from there. Um, I grew up in the coal fields of West Virginia. Yeah. I, you know, I came out of the birth canal talking like a little hillbilly boy, um, and and I would think that accents and speech impediments. Could stand in the way of a career as a public speaker. What say you? What do you do about that?
1: That's ridiculous. As long as you can be heard, yeah. Um, the uh, The Southern accent is is absolutely great, especially if you use humor. People just love that. And now it depends on where you're playing. You know, if you go to New York City, of course, nobody's in New York City right now. But if you were there at a normal time you're too slow paced for them, you know, they're going to get impatient. But uh, as long as you can be uh, heard clearly, uh, it's quite a diverse world out there now, and that, that should not stop anybody as long as they're clear. That's the whole thing. And then if they are doing Zoom, you know, you have to consider you're going through the Internet, through a microphone, through all this stuff, so you have to make a special effort to be clear. But that
0: shouldn't stop anybody. Fair enough. Fair enough. Tom Antione knows of what he speaks and you can visit him online at antion.com. A-N-T-I-O-N.com. Let me talk uh, to you for a minute about words themselves, Tom. And um, as we record this podcast for for play later, um, we've lost a couple of of huge broadcasters, uh, Rush Limbaugh and and Larry King Mm -hmm. made their living uh, with words. And uh, there's been so much talk about President Trump and his allegedly in, incendiary comments and how those played into the, the riots at the Capitol. On, on the other end of the political spectrum, uh, uh, Governor Cuomo in New York has been uh, taking it in the shorts about uh, his words or lack of words or the way he positioned uh, the number of nursing home deaths in his state. Words clearly matter. Um, but, but how much responsibility should we all take in a public sense for the words we use?
1: Well, you know, there was a, um, a lady when I was in the National Speaker Association said uh, her, her theme for the year she was the president. She said it's the privilege of the platform. So it is a privilege to be up there, and, you know, you're going to touch a lot of people either positively or negatively. <laughs> That's what you got to think about. Sure. And, uh, I mean, I've had people – I was doing a fundraiser in Philadelphia, uh, you know, last – I don't know when it was. But but some lady came up to me had seen me 20 years earlier and started crying. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, I don't know. Is she pregnant or what? <laughs> <I don't know laughs> what she's happened? She's coming there? up to me. <laughs> yeah. But she said, I saw you – 20 years ago at a uh, an event, I have a crazy, uh, I have the longest running ever, continuously running internet marketing seminar called Butt Camp. And remember, I came from a comic background, so everybody was begging me to do boot camps. I can't do a boot camp. I'm, I'm sitting here on my rear end making all this money. I'll, I'll call it Butt Camp. I like it. I like, <laughs> it. I like it. It caught on. I've done them in 11 countries around the world. Except in, uh, in London, they made me call it a bum camp instead of, butt camp. <laughs> but, but anyway, so she comes up to me. She had been there 20 years ago at butt camp her, she was losing her home. Uh, her husband was out of work or hurt or something. And she did what I said in butt camp and started an online business and saved her family. And so I start crying. She's crying. So, so yes, what you say has an extremely big impact on on it. But the rhetoric nowadays is so fiery everywhere. I mean, uh, it's hard to say who, who's to blame for what. I mean, it's just uh, you know, it's crazy. That's one reason. You know, I, I was in D.C. for 13 years. I lived in over near Greenbelt or New Carrollton. And uh, I always hated politics. I hated it so bad because to win at the highest levels, you got to be two faced because if you can't get enough votes to please everybody, (laughs) it just makes crap up. So I I really hated that. But, yeah, you got to be responsible um, for what you say because it can really do good or it can do
0: harm can be used for good or evil. And, and if you yep. are a, a speaker in front of a bunch of people, or if you happen to be on TV or on radio, then that megaphone gets even bigger. Tom Antion is our guest today. And we're talking about uh, speaking and all things verbal. Um, you have done something pretty interesting. You you know, there's a lot of talk uh, since COVID-19 hit about, oh, well, people just need to pivot into this new world and they need to, to redirect, you know, what they're doing. And, and that's that's a lot easier for some people than the guy who drives a bus. Or from where I'm from, the the guy who's a coal miner, you can't just pivot and, and you know learn coding and, and feed your family. Right. You, you set yourself up early, though, to not just exist in, in the speaking world. And you also are pretty deep into internet marketing. You've got this internet marketing training center there uh, in Virginia Beach. That sounds... Like an insurmountable thing for a lot of people, internet marketing just seems too big to wrap your your head around. And and you think about these, you know, mega billion dollar corporations. When when you say internet marketing, what do you mean? And and what do you teach people?
1: Yeah, and all of my, uh, you know, I'm I'm not a big business internet marketer. I mean, big businesses kind of hate me. I mean, you know, I, and I kind of hate them too because <laughs> I can't stand it. Uh, that you got to take a two-week committee meeting to take a leak, you know. Yep. So yep. <laughs> it's Amen. not the way entrepreneurs work. And so um uh one thing that I teach people that have this kind of fear, and there are a lot of scammers out there. I, I, I get that, so I don't blame them for being skeptical. But I teach them how to recruit young, what I call geeks or propeller heads, to help them. And these are kids that are thrilled to death that they're not cutting grass or flipping burgers to make some money. They can make it with their computer. So um, I got, I recruited a kid out in 1997 out of Comp USA. Used to be up, uh, I think it was in Reston. It was close somewhere up there, and uh, or no, it was in uh, Rockville, I think. Okay. Um, and uh, I. Sucked him. You know, he was so brilliant. He was uh, he was a little Russian kid. He was kind of a smart aleck, but he'd sit behind me and watch me work, and he'd he'd be like, "I can't believe somebody so stupid is making so much money. Just click here." And <laughs> he was always right, and, and so I let him abuse the heck out of me. And still to this day, Burke, I'm using things he taught me in 1997, and the 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 karma here is that uh, I helped him not become a corporate slug. He just sold his third startup, Pluto TV. You're sitting down, right? Uh-huh. $340 million to Viacom. That and was He wrote good an kid. article. And, yeah, that was my kid that I sucked out of the corporate world, which he'd have just been a cog in a, in a cubicle somewhere. And that's, that's maybe a good book title there. Cog in a cubicle. <laughs> so, uh, so I told him next time I see you, you're buying dinner, buddy. Uh, so, so you, these young kids, you can recruit them at high schools and you don't want to go to a, a, a fancy high school because these kids got more money than you do. So, so you want to go to a blue collar area, you make an appointment with the guidance counselor or their computer club counselor, tell them who you are, tell them you got evening weekend and summer work for kids and, and, um, uh, and they know who all the little geeks are. I mean, you want the kid that's never going to get a date in their entire life. That's the, kid, that's the kid that you want. They love their computer so much. And, I, you know, like I'm, I'm known, one of my nicknames is the King of Kaching because when an order comes in, I set my email to, to ring the cash register sign. So, <laughs> so I wanted that on my cell phone. But I'm thinking it'll take me all day to figure that. out. And I said, and one of the girls in the office took the phone, came back in 10 minutes, and uh, it went ka Do I know how she did it? No. Do I care? No. Not Does it lie. go ka Yes.
0: yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if you uh, have a fear of this, get your kids involved. These kids came out of the womb swiping, you know, screens and, uh, And they'll help you over the technical stuff. They're not going to be savvy enough to know the marketing and the product production and all that. But that's easy to learn nowadays. I mean, I got a master class going on right now, and twelve weeks people will have two books written. I I heard um, you talking to another guy on another interview. He's talking about research and books for years and stuff. And 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 I don't want to laugh because I agree that you should put high quality books. But I have one book that I wrote in, and these are eBooks, four hours in a layover at McCarran airport in Las Vegas, brought in $3.6 million so far, and anywhere from four to $15,000 a month in perpetuity. <laughs> so nice. so, uh, so that's the world we're in now. And that's of course, you know, an over the top example, but I got one I wrote in six hours a month ago on a Friday. And by Sunday night, it brought in $2,000. You know, so just a lot of those things added up can you know can make your whole living for
0: you. Yeah, it's like diversifying your portfolio. I'm I'm just impressed mm-hmm. that you wrote a book rather than play the slot machines at McCarran International <laughs> Airport. So you <laughs> use Tom, <laughs> Tom Antion is our guest, and uh, uh, if you're interested in in finding out how he does what he does. Uh, you got to check them out online at Antion.com. Antion.
1: Yeah, it's probably better to screwthecommute.com. And I got a freebie for them, too, if, if they have any aspirations of business. It's oh, called yeah? How to Automate Your Business. And it's one just one of the tips. Guess what? That kid in 1997 taught me this tip. And we figured it out a couple of years ago. It saved me seven and a half million keystrokes over, over the time. So so they can get that at screwthecommute.com slash automate free. com slash automate free. And they can download that um, and save themselves a lot of hassle.
0: All right, fair enough. com slash automate free uh, for some free goodies from Tom Antion. Uh, so, Tom, we've got a couple of minutes left. And, and I want to ask you about... A tagline that I saw out there for you, and, and, you know, you are a prolific guy. You're a worker bee. Uh, as I, I like to tell people, I'm a workhorse, not a show horse. I think you're the same guy. Um, you have yourself listed as a consumer advocate. Tell me what you mean yep. by that. Well, you
1: know, when you're in this Internet field, uh, there's so many scammers. I mean, people – there was a famous New Yorker cartoon that had a dog at a keyboard, and his, his buddy, the other dog, said, hey – you can't get on the internet. You're a dog. And they said, Hey, you know, we're on the internet. They can't tell you're a dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the way it is really. Um, you know, so people can pretend to be whatever they want. So I thought, you know what, this is no good. And then I saw a bunch of speakers also that were, uh, scamming people. And some of them I had built up from nobodies and then they started robbing people. So I got, I did not like this, so I came out against them. But then I started to become like a lighthouse for all the people that had gotten scammed by seminar leaders. And so I said, I can't go after all of them, so I started a TV show called Scam Brigade. Uh, it's in development in Hollywood, and where I go after these people that are, you know, it's it's the same. Uh, you know, uh, one of the people on my team is a Harvard psychiatrist. I said, How come these people don't stick up for themselves? He said, Tom, the society is getting weaker all the time. People don't want confrontation and they're easy targets for these scammers. So I said, well, I can't put up with that. So, so I developed a, um, a TV show. They're trying to sell it. They, of course, they told me, don't quit your day job. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's still in development. But, uh, but what also came from it, there's doing a documentary about me and I, I thought, Geez, I thought you had to be dead to have a documentary about you, but apparently not. Nice. But it's called The American Entrepreneur. It's premiering this spring, and a a, uh, a Hollywood producer saw me and started following me, unbeknownst to me, and then uh, came to me and, and said, I'd like to do a documentary about you. And I'm thinking, well, okay. <laughs> okay with me. So, uh, so that's all stuff. But anyway, I, I I like to stick up for the underdog, you know, I came from a small town just in western Pennsylvania, just across the border. Um, and then, uh, you know, you did what you said you're going to do. You know, through what logans like, and uh, you know, people shake hands it means something in, in those places, and everybody right. knows you. If you screw up, they're gonna, you're going to hear about it, <laughs> the whole town, the you know, takes a village kind of thing.
0: No, you're exactly right, and and I I think maybe for somebody who's listening right now who. Uh, is it really on the inside track on on the speaking industry? When you talk about speakers ripping people off, there's a a whole seedy uh, underbelly of of speakers who get you all ginned up to sell some sort of product, whether it's you know get rich quick in real estate or, or whatever the thing is. And people literally will run to the back of the room and and spend their life savings on stuff. And there are people in the back that are ready to take those those credit card numbers down. Is that the kind of speaking scam that you speak of?
1: Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. And many of the people in the crowd are stooges to make the other people feel like, oh, if they're doing it, I'm going to do it too. And then, uh, you know, they're very slick. They have lawyers that uh, have a lot of fine print in the contract, and then they don't help you. Uh, you know, I have a portfolio on one guy. It's uh it's got forty eight victims anywhere from thirteen to a hundred thousand dollars. Mm. And uh and I went to the FBI about it and they said, ah, Tom, if we don't have a half a million dollars in one uh jurisdiction, you know, we're all tied up on homeland security. So I went to the T V station. They said, Well, how many local victims do you have? Well, these people flew in from everywhere. And so there wasn't enough local victims for the TV company. So these uh, scammers are smart. They know how to play the game. So you just have to be very careful. Now, I made fortunes doing this kind of speaking, but I serviced the customer, and there's not one lawsuit. Nobody's chasing me around because I took care. I, I gave them what I promised them. But you just have to be extremely careful because these are professional con people that you know that's all they think about is is how to take you for a ride and they all think they're smarter than you and they just spend all day long figuring out how to take your money so be careful
0: that makes a lot of sense is there any way to uh to keep your radar up with any tips that you can pass along to say "Mm, uh, you know watch out for for this particular thing
1: i wrote an article it's been seen hundreds of thousands of times. I know I cost these scammers a billion dollars, probably. So I'm thrilled to death about that. But it's uh, it's at com slash top twenty seminar scams I can give you the link later for you, but uh, uh, it lays out over twenty different ways. I think I added three different ways that if you see this happening at a seminar, you're about to be ripped off. <laughs> so so. uh yeah, that you can. Uh, if you want, if you want that link, I can give it to
0: you later. that would be great, and we'll post all these links uh, on the homepage for the Big Time Talker podcast. All right, one last question: Your podcast, the Screw the Commute podcast. Tell me what you do there.
1: Well, uh, you know, since I, I uh, have never had a job, although Burke, I did apply for a job once. Yes, uh, it said four hundred one k. And I thought, man, that's a good starting salary—four hundred and one thousand. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you're telling uh, you're telling talented. a truth
0: about yourself at this very moment that does not paint you in the most positive light. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so uh, screwthecommute.com is based on the fact that I never had a job, and. Uh, And you can live two or three lives uh, if you're not sitting in traffic making somebody else rich. Like I said, where you live, and I lived for 13 years up up there, that's even more amplified. Uh, And so on Mondays, I do an in-depth training session on something that's either made me a fortune or saved me a fortune in the business world. So I've been in business 44 years, so that's a long time before the Internet even started. And then on Wednesdays and Fridays, I do uh, uh, interviews with Great entrepreneurs like you are going to be on the show uh, one yay. of these days. So, yay! Because they all have great stories and how they came up through the ranks, how they got out of the dreaded jobs. So, uh, so we've got uh, we just did our 402nd episode the other day. So, um, it's a great show and uh, really inspire you to uh, to do things in the entrepreneurial world.
0: Very good. Check out my buddy Tom Antion's podcast. Screw the commute. And at screwthecommute.com backslash automate free, some free goodies that might uh, help put a little extra uh, food on the table and a few extra pennies in your pocket. Hey, man, thanks for spending time with us today. Awesome, man. Tom Antion, our, our expert guest today, if you need any help in the speaking world, uh, seek this guy out online and uh, visit him at Virginia Beach, Virginia, where the sun is always shining. I'm Burke Allen, live in Washington, D.C., where the BS is constantly flowing from Capitol Hill. And uh, here at our podcast, we do none of that. It's the Big Time Talker. Thank you, SpeakerMatch.com, for sponsoring the show. Thank you for listening. Now go out and make it a great day. Bye, everybody.